Luke chapter 7, 1 through 10. When he had concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion slave who was highly valued by him was sick and about to die. When the centurion heard about Yeshua, he sent some Judahite elders to him, requesting him to come and save the life of his slave. When they reached Yeshua, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this because he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Yeshua went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, since I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be cured. For I too am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Yeshua heard this and was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found so great a faith, even in Israel. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Yesterday, we discussed the centurion in the Roman army, and we talked about his slave that he valued and his dedication to the Judahite nation, the centurion's dedication to the Judahite nation, how he loved them, how he built them a synagogue, and most importantly, we discussed his great humility. He was so lowly and so humble that he considered himself unworthy for the master to even come up under his roof. But there's more to the passage than that. Today we're going to focus on his great faith. Yesterday we talked about his great humility. Now we're going to talk about his great faith. We can learn from both. And let me say from the beginning, when you see a man with great humility and great faith, if you come across a person, man or woman or child, great humility and faith, what you're seeing is a man upon whom great grace has been shown. The same thing when you talk about keeping Yahweh's law. If you happenstance upon a man or woman that is a keeper and is obedient to the law of Yahweh, you're looking at a person upon whom great grace has been shown. And that grace that was shown upon them has produced those works that are active in their life. Without grace, no humility or faith would exist. Great grace always comes before great humility or great faith. That which produces is always greater than that which is produced. So we ended yesterday with verse 6 where the centurion sent a second delegation to Yeshua and this time he sent some of his friends. The first delegation was the elders of Judah. The second was his friends. And he told his friends, he said, when you get to the master... You tell him, don't worry about it. Don't trouble yourself, Master, because I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. As I explained before, he must have thought it over more. And I think verse 7 verifies that for us. Look at Luke 7, verse 7. He says, that is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be cured. See, the reason he sent the first delegation, the Judai elders, was because he considered himself unworthy to approach Yeshua. And after he thought about it more, 
he concluded that he was unworthy for Yeshua to come to him. So he said, don't trouble yourself. Don't worry about coming to my house. I'm unworthy to come to you. I'm unworthy for you to come to me. And man, we could all use a good dose of that kind of humility. (laughs) I pray that that would be in my heart. The centurion, though, isn't just a humble man. He's a man with a lot of faith, too. Remember, he had heard about the Messiah, verse 3, which likely means he had heard everything that the Messiah was doing in that region of Israel, how he was healing people's diseases, how he was casting demons out of people, how he was healing paralyzed hands, people who had been sick for decades, and how he knew exactly where to throw a fishnet in Lake Gennesaret so that the net would be over full with fish. You hear about a man like that, and you know there's something different about him. That's no ordinary man. The centurion's great faith led him to tell Yeshua by way of his friends, just say the word. Just speak the word. Speak a word of healing over my servant, and I know that he'll be cured. That's at the end of verse 7. Now, we tend to like, people in general tend to like the dramatic We're kind of like Naaman the Syrian in 2 Kings 5 where this Syrian captain, he had leprosy. And he went to the prophet of Yahweh, which was Elisha at that time, and he was seeking to be healed of his skin disease. And he showed up with horses and chariots at the door of Elisha's house, but Elisha never even came to the door. He never showed up. Instead, he sent Gehazi, his servant, to the door, and he said, Gehazi... Tell Naaman that I want him to go dip in the Jordan River, which was not a very clean place. Matter of fact, Naaman says, can I go dip in the Abanus River or the Far, Far River? He said, I don't want to go to the Jordan. It's not that clean. But the servant says, the prophet, the man of Elohim says, go dip in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. Took a lot of faith. And he did it. He eventually did it. But before he did it, he got upset because he said that he wanted the prophet to come see him. He said, surely the prophet will come to the door and see me and he'll wave his hand over my leprosy and I'll be cured. I need something dramatic to happen. That's generally how we tend to be. We're like Naaman. People are so prone to fall for what seems popular. And that's why you have so many churches today trying to come up with all sorts of programs to compete with society. Now, I'm not saying that all church programs are bad. But I'm just saying that as humans, we flock to the dramatic. I think that people can't sit, for the most part, under just Bible teaching anymore because it's been so long since they've received it. And they're so used to the dramatic. But the centurion, he was different. He was different. He wouldn't even go to Yeshua, and he didn't feel worthy for Yeshua to come to him. Instead, he said, it's not very dramatic, but we're not going to see each other. Just say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. Just speak the word. In other words, the centurion never saw Yeshua. He never talked to him personally about this. Yeshua's hands never touched that slave. Yet he believed that the master simply speaking the word of healing would cure his servant. And verse 8 explains at least in part of why he felt that way. Luke 7, 8 says... The centurion still speaking by proxy, by his delegation. For I too 
am a man placed under authority. Having soldiers under my command, I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now I want you to notice something right here. I'm not saying that the centurion grasped everything there is to know about the Messiah. But I am saying that what the centurion said about the Messiah here is accurate. It's just. He says this. I'm going to emphasize some words here. He says, For I too am a man placed under authority. I too am a man placed under authority. He's saying that what is true about you, Yeshua, is also true about me. See, the centurion had authority over 100 men. Remember we talked about that yesterday. That's why he was called a hecaton, arcos, or a centurion. He's the authority over 100 men. But the authority that the centurion had was delegated to him by a superior, namely one in the Roman government that was of higher rank than he. And that's why he says to Yeshua, I too am a man placed under authority. I hope that you catch that. What he's saying is this, Yeshua, I've been given authority to speak and act just like you. The centurion recognized that Yeshua had authority from the Most High. Now, we don't know if the centurion knew the name of Yahweh. We don't know. We don't know if he called upon the name of Yahweh. But what we do know is he acknowledged the Almighty One of Israel. He acknowledged the Mighty One of Israel. And he recognized that the Mighty One of Israel had given authority to this man from Nazareth to make commands, to speak words, and things would happen. And he said, it works for me. I say go... And they go. I say come and they come. I tell my slave do this and he does it. So if it works for me and I've been given authority, I know that you have too. You wouldn't be able to do what you do if you were not placed under authority, delegated that authority. So you speak the word and exactly how it happens in my life, it'll happen when you speak it. Great faith that the centurion had. So his statement is one from the lesser to the greater. He's the lesser, and if it's true in his case, then it's got to be true in the greater. He says, I too, meaning I am like you. I have soldiers who obey my commands. I have a servant who obeys my commands. I speak words and things get done. I've heard about you, Yeshua. I know you've been given authority as well. So speak the word, and my servant will be cured. So how did Yeshua react to such great faith? Well, Luke 7, verse 9. Yeshua heard this and was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found so great a faith, even in Israel. Yeshua, the son of Yahweh, was amazed at the centurion's faith. Do not glance over that. When you amaze the son of Yahweh, that is very, very big. That is very big. I get amazed sometimes, but I'm me. It's not a big accomplishment if you amaze me. As a matter of fact, it doesn't take a whole lot to amaze me. But to amaze the Messiah, the only begotten, Son of Yahweh, that's huge. Well, this text says that Yeshua heard 
what the centurion said about I too am a man under authority. Speak the word, my servant will be healed. And it says Yeshua was amazed at his great faith, at him. When Yeshua heard what the centurion had said, he was amazed and he looked around at all the people that were there following with him to the house and he made this remark. He said, I have not found this kind of faith, not even in Israel. Now, this lets me know that the centurion was not an Israelite. I do believe that the centurion was a descendant from Adam. And we have to remember that there are many people in the Bible, um, like, for instance, one of Moses' wives, she was Zipporah. Uh, She was a descendant from Abraham's wife, Keturah. She wasn't a descendant from Abraham's wife, Sarah, from whom the promised seed came, the chosen seed came. But Zipporah was allowed to be married by Moses. And that's because there were some non-Israelites that Israelite men could marry. Not all of them, but there were some. I do believe that the centurion was a descendant of Adam from a fine lineage. I believe that the Romans were of the same race as the Israelites. I'm not arguing against that, but I don't believe that he was an Israelite because of verse 9. And that's why Yeshua makes the point that he does here. He's turning and talking to people who were from Jacob, Israel, the elders of Judah, and he looks at them and he says, I've not found this kind of faith even among Israel. Remember, the elders of Judah are with him as he's journeying to the centurion's house. And the centurion's friends show up and they speak what we just read partially in verses 6 through 8. And Yeshua turns to these people with him and says what he says. Now, that must have been somewhat of a slap in their face because they were the ones that the law was given to, the promises were given to, the covenants, the adoption as sons, and the temple service. Yet Yeshua says that this Roman officer has more faith than they do. I want us to remember here that just being born in a physical lineage does not mean that you automatically receive the inheritance. You can reject the inheritance. You can. You can say with Esau, who is just as physical a descendant of Isaac as Jacob was. Remember, Esau and Jacob were twins. I believe they were identical twins, actually, but that's another sermon. Esau was a physical descendant of Isaac, the promised seed through Abraham and Sarah. But yet Esau said, what good is this birthright to me? I'd rather eat. You know, you can even blow the inheritance of your father. We'll eventually get to the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. But there we have a son, a physical son, who received his inheritance from his dad early. But he went, the Bible says, and he blew it on riotous living. Now, praise Yahweh, he came back. And there was no, there was not even an I told you so. The dad saw him afar off and ran out to him. And when we come back, Yahweh's there to welcome us with open arms. But not if we do not repent. That son could have stayed out there in that riotous living. And that story would not have ended the same has to be repentance there. So just being a physical son alone 
doesn't automatically equal inheritance to the kingdom. Now, I am not saying that this Roman centurion takes the place of any Israelite. I'm not saying that. I don't think that's the point of the passage. I don't want to read anything into it that's not there. But I think that the point here is to declare the amazing faith of this Roman to the lack of faith in Israel at that time. It's Yeshua saying something like this. Think about this. Yeshua is saying something like this. O people of Israel, you must have faith in me. I'm your Redeemer. And a lack of faith in me means a lack of inheriting the kingdom. I'm the king. I'm the one who was sent to redeem you. Believe in me. Believe in me like this Roman centurion does. He's not even one of us. Yet he acknowledges his unrighteousness, my righteousness, and my power. I think that's what Yeshua is trying to tell them here. So it's passages like this, among other ones, Romans 9 comes to mind, but it's passages like this that make me want to stress that being a physical Israelite doesn't equal automatic inheritance into the kingdom. Being a physical Israelite is a prestigious thing all through Scripture. I just quoted you, I think, earlier, Romans 9, 4 through 5. The covenants belong to Israel. The adoption belongs to Israel. The giving of the law, the testimony, the temple service. That's who the Messiah came through. It's a prestigious thing all through Scripture. But all through Scripture we see also that Yahweh, the Mighty One of Israel, when His children are unrepentant, what does He do? A lot of times He disciplines them. Sometimes He kills them. So let's make sure that we are one of Yahweh's children that does accept our kinsman redeemer and doesn't reject him. Yahweh sent him for us. We need to accept him. Yeshua is trying to get these Judahites around him to think about this Roman centurion's faith. He wants them to realize that this man isn't one of them, but yet he loves the nation of Judah. Remember, they said it. He loves our nation. He built us a synagogue. And Yeshua says, yeah, you need to pay attention to that. He's also humble. And he's also a man of great faith. I haven't even found this kind of faith, even in Israel. So what happens next? Luke 7.10, it says, When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. And that's the end of the story. Yeshua heals the slave. We don't even have a record, at least in Luke, of Yeshua saying anything as it pertains to the slave's healing. All we have him saying is, this guy's got a lot of faith. I haven't found this kind of faith. Luke doesn't even record Yeshua as saying, Yahweh, heal the slave, yet the slave is healed. Now, Yeshua could have spoke the word, and it's just not recorded. He could have just thought about it in his mind, because all words originate as thoughts anyhow. We don't know all that could have happened, but what we do know is this. The slave was healed. The centurion had faith. We don't have a record of Yeshua saying anything, but that's great faith. They went back to the house. The friends went back to the house, probably the elders of Judah that were sent at first, and they found the slave that was sick unto death. Now he was cured. It's amazing. Now, what we do know is Yeshua honored the centurion's faith. 
And I want all of us here today to think about where we stand in our faith. The Messiah is just as strong today as he was that day. As a matter of fact, the authority that Yahweh had given him then has actually increased now. Because after his resurrection, he got the seat at the right hand of the Most High. In 28 and 18 of Matthew, he says, All authority has been given to me, both in heaven and on earth. So we need to have the same kind of faith that the centurion had. And let me tell you, I'm really preaching this very strongly to Matthew today. Maybe even more strongly to me than I am to you. Because I will tell you, I don't have that kind of faith that the centurion has. I want to have it. This lesson preparing for it has made me long for it. But I can't say that I have it right now. I can't. So I'm going to put this on me. I've learned as a pastor that it's not my job to browbeat people, but to teach them in hopes that they will understand. And I've also learned that I know my heart more than any of y'all's hearts. So I can speak for me. When I worry about something to the point of stress and anxiety and depression, I'm doubting Yahweh. That's what I'm doing. And I do that. And you know what? It burns me up after I realize I'm doubting Yahweh. It burns me up. And so I have to ask Him to forgive me and I repent of my sin of doubting Yahweh. I can look at this lesson in Luke's Gospel today and I can learn about what it means to have faith in Yahweh, to have faith in the Son of Yahweh, to not doubt, to not be anxious, but to simply say humbly, I know I'm unworthy, But I have faith that you'll take care of it all. That's basically what the centurion did. He had a need. He loved his servant. He was highly valued, that servant was. But the centurion remained humble. He didn't do like I've heard some preachers. They beat the pulpit and they say, Lord, you're obligated. By your word, you're obligated. Boy, that burns me up to hear people talk to Yahweh like that. I don't even speak to my wife and my children like that much less the creator of the universe. We should take heed, bow our head. I know I'm not worthy, but please, don't trouble yourself. You don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word. And I know whatever situation I'm in, it will be okay. That's what the centurion did. He had faith. He had amazing faith. It was such amazing faith that Yeshua was amazed at it. Now, we're going to leave here tonight in just a few minutes. And there's no doubt that all of us are going to be faced with doubt in our minds about something. What me and you doubt about might be different matters, but we're both going to doubt about something. And when that happens, I want you and me, I want us to think about this centurion. I want us to meditate. Brother Ron talked about the meditation. The scripture is full of. I want us to meditate on trusting in the Messiah. I trust in you. It helps me if I close my eyes and I'm not distracted. I trust in you, Master. Placing everything about this situation onto you. I'm trusting in you that you'll take care of it. I want you to meditate on believing in his promises. 
holding firm to the authority the Father has given him. He's still a man under authority. He still says go and they go. He still says come and they come. He still says do this and things get done. Talking about our Messiah. And let me tell you something else here about faith. If we are in the Messiah, in Christ, meaning we have placed our faith in Him as the anointed one of Yahweh, the sinless sacrifice, Yahweh's Son, we have been forgiven of our sins. I want to express that to everybody here tonight. That's something I need to hear every day because it's hard sometimes for me to accept that. Sometimes we doubt that. I know that I do. Sometimes I think about things I have done in my life and I wonder how Yahweh could ever forgive me. At times I cry, tears of pain, tears of sorrow, heavy, uncontrollable tears, weeping over my transgressions. And you know, in one sense, that's not wrong to do because we're supposed to pray daily prayers of repentance and asking for forgiveness because we, like the centurion, are all unworthy. That's part of the disciples' prayer that he taught. The Lord taught the disciples to pray. Part of it is, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What I'm talking about, though, is not being able to have faith that you've been forgiven. Not being able to believe that your sin was punished at Calvary. And I want to tell you something, saints. If you've placed your faith in the Messiah, He has washed you whiter than snow. Not as white as snow. Some people get that wrong. They say, our sins are washed as white as snow. And that's pretty good. Snow's pretty white. But the Scripture says, whiter than snow. Whiter. All the blemishes are gone. All those sins, all those things that you've racked up, all those things that I kind of feel plagued Saul of Tarsus about what he had done, all those things are wiped clean. All that's been forgiven. The blood of the Messiah covers over all of that. Now, man may try to bring up your past. Well, man will try to bring up your past. People will try to bring up your past. People will bring up your failures, your struggles, your weaknesses, and they'll come up with everything to try to make you doubt. But when man does that, you need to remember that although your sin is great, your Savior is greater. And He's all that you need. You don't need the approval of a man. You don't need someone to validate you here on earth. Yeshua has already validated all those who have put their trust in Him. And if there are times when the only prayer that you can pray is this, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Did you know that's scriptural? And that is enough. There are times when our faith is going to be weak. But don't lose that faith. Don't let go of that faith. It's a strong thing. It's how we're justified by faith in the Messiah. You say, Brother Matthew, I haven't ever seen the Messiah. Neither had the centurion. I haven't ever reached out and shook his hand. He's never touched my wounds. Yeshua never touched the slave's wounds either. Never went to the house. Will we have the faith that the centurion had? Will we have any faith at all? 
when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Be thankful for any faith that you have. Hold on to any faith that you have. It's a gift of Yahweh, according to the Bible. Faith is a gift of Yahweh. Thank Him for that gift. Whether it feels small at the moment or huge, thank Him for any amount of faith. Look upon faith and treat it as a precious, precious gift. Realize today our Messiah is still a man under authority and He could not be under any greater authority than Almighty Yahweh. Yahweh has authorized him, given him total authority. Realize he's still got that authority today. He can speak a word and it can happen. He doesn't have to visit you. You don't have to ever see him. You can just say, say the word and I know it will be accomplished. He's still active in our lives today and how he is active is by faith. Hold on to that, brothers and sisters. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Yahweh, Father, I love you, and I thank you so much for you loving me first. I ask right now and I pray that you would stir up the gift of faith that you've given to your children. Father, I ask for more faith. I ask, Father, for that amazing faith but I know it only comes by amazing grace, so I ask for it, Father Yahweh. Father, I pray that we would take to heart this passage of Scripture. I pray that all week now we would go and we'd meditate on it, read it and reread it. Think about what you've taught us in your Word. Let it be a blessing to our lives, and let it instruct us, let it wound us, let it heal us. Whatever it needs to do in our life, at the present time. Yahweh Father, give us good weeks. I pray you keep everybody safe from harm, physically, spiritually, and mentally. Bring us back here next Sabbath to do this rehearsal all over again. For it's through your Son, Yeshua of Nazareth, that I pray to you, Father Yahweh.